This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Listening to a bonus episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Daniel Henderson. And yes, so, um, you know, with the last episode we did, it was Danielle's turn to pick a movie that she just really needs to talk about. And it was the movie Can You Ever Forgive Me? And it was so great. I had never seen it before and I loved it so much. And I thought we had a really amazing convo about it. What did you think? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like these deep dives. I like these deep dives. And I like that um, for the last movie, you hadn't seen it. And for this movie, I hadn't seen it. Oh, my God. De- definitely a, a, a tone shift from the last <laughs> film. <laughs> but I have somehow, like, more to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Because I, I don't even know. I, I don't even... I mean, of course I'm going to try to, like, you know, give my reasons. But also, it's probably going to be like, just because it fucking rules and just because it's awesome. Um, <laughs> good, good enough reason for me. <laughs> honestly, without further ado, let me just tell you what the movie is. The movie that I really need to talk about is a movie from 2010. It was directed by Yorma Takone, and it's called Mugruber. You gotta keep him on the line long enough to get a location. Don't worry, I've done this before. Listen to me, you piece of shit. Haas and Zeke are dead, and if you don't tell me who this is, he hung up. Did you get it? No. Wow. Of all the movies out there that you could go deep on, first was Prince of Tides, and now it's Mugruber. <laughs> yeah, how psychotic is what you're saying. Well, okay, so maybe this this is something that even goes back before the Prince of Tides episode, which is that this sort of relates to the episode that we did about action movies, right? right. Um, which I think was the one bef- right before that one, but you, go find it. I'm sure you're there already. Just go find it in, in the list of bonus episodes. But there was a, a bonus episode where Danielle and I talked about our favorite action movies, and I sort of talked about it um, at the beginning about how... I didn't really grow up watching action movies um, and all that stuff that I ever learned about, you know, especially 80s action movies, which I would say 80s and early 90s action movies were was my era. I don't know if that was your era, too, even though we're close yeah. in age. But um, referentially, that's kind of what I mean by action movies of my youth is just sort of like the 80s and early 90s. So I never really grew up watching them. And I and I ended up watching them much later in life, like when I was in college and it was usually like with guys that I was friends with or boyfriends or whatever. Um, so growing up, I never watched anything like this, but <laughs> my dad, my dad never watched action movies, but he loves a movie based on a Saturday Night Live character. Oh, so the the seed was planted very early for me to kind of watch anything that was related to Saturday Night Live. 
So you've seen Night, Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> I've seen Night at the Roxbury. I've seen Coneheads. I've seen Ladies Man. I've seen, you know, all of the Wayne's Worlds. I mean, you know, you name it. Like, it, I'm pretty much, I pretty much am a completist when it comes to <laughs> the SNL movies. Um, and so, so MacGruber was an SNL skit. It was, right. It was, um... And, you know, there's actually this really great oral history of MacGruber that's on <laughs> Vanity Fair, um, which <laughs> fucking kills me dead. I love that there's an oral history of MacGruber because it really it really is something that I think has turned into a cult film in a lot of ways. Yeah, because what it the skit, I remember the skit when it was on Saturday Night Live. And essentially, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are young who didn't really grow up in the 80s who listen to this podcast. And so the the original skit was kind of based off of MacGyver, which was this television show from the 80s where Richard Dean Anderson plays this um, uh, kind of like a, I guess he's like an ammunition expert or like a bomb detonation expert. Or some shit. I, I, I cannot tell you how many episodes of MacGyver I've watched in my life. I have no idea what his actual skill or job was. I mean, all I remember is that he used to be able he would the, the whole gist of the show was that every week he was able to, like, diffuse this giant tense situation involving weapons and bombs. And he was able to do it with like these like things around the house. Yeah. <laughs> like and it was this whole like it got wrapped up really nicely at the end of the, you know, half hour, hour, however long it was on. But also, I think generally, too, it w- it seemed to be sort of based off of like 80s television that was in sort of that action movie vein. So like the A-Team and MacGyver and maybe the Fall Guy and just shit like that, where it was basically like television shows for like dudes, but there was never any stakes. It was always like fucking people who weren't really using guns. And it was like a lot of like ex-military, you know, 80s, like in that way. A lot of this, um, a lot of 80s action movies are also about like Vietnam vets and Mm ex-military people. My favorite being Airwolf, who fought crime from a helicopter. (laughs) Motherfucker, I forgot about Airwolf. (laughs) Shit. And just sort of general shit like Simon and Simon and just sort of like, it was like a cop adjacent entertainment thing, right? That was happening. So the skit seemed to be kind of informed by all that stuff, but really was leaning into MacGyver. I mean, obviously it's called MacGruber. Um, and I guess the joke is, it's just sort of like playing up the idea that MacGyver was like kind of a dumbass, um, <laughs> and was like, you know, take it like a fucking Q-tip or like some chewing gum and like being able to do stuff. But he was actually like not that great at it. And then somebody else like would come along and like, actually solve the crime or defuse the situation or whatever. (laughs) And I remember the skit because of Will Forte who plays MacGruber. And like, I think Will Forte is one of the funniest people ever on the planet. He, he is not only so funny. Last man on earth. The TV show is so good. Yeah. He, I think is the very definition of legendary freak. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like, will shave one half of his entire body for a joke. Kind of legendary freak. Oh, my God. He is like the king of legendary freaks. And, and <laughs> this is the thing that I that I actually love about him. 
he seems to be like one of these actors and comedians who he sort of has this sort of unassuming, normal, I would say kind of like dad like quality to him, like kind of a Midwestern kind of dad quality to him, even though I think. He's not that much older than us, but whatever. I, I hesitate to talk about dads and moms at this age, or I'm like, fuck, I could be that. All right. But it's this thing where, he, so he has this very kind of unassuming, normal look. But then the minute he goes nuts, it's like simply a joy to watch. <laughs> and he does frequently. Yes. Like he loses his shit, and it's just, it goes from like totally norms to like this whole other realm. And that's what makes him a legendary freak is just this ability to sort of like, you know, lose his shit in such a fucked up, dark kind of way. Right. He seems to love making people laugh genuinely more than anything. Like, I feel like he will always go so far down the line of a joke and carry it to like such an absurd degree because he loves he loves to make people laugh is my my feeling about him oh definitely um there's so every when i think about him too like the intensity i think is what makes me like just crack up every time i see him and like there's this um i don't know if you ever saw this movie it's called the stepfather it's this like horror movie from the 80s and yeah. it's and it stars terry o'quinn from lost as like yeah. this homicidal stepfather and I always thought if they remade that movie, I mean, they probably already have, but if they remake it in my dreams, Will Forte would play (laughs) the stepfather. Because much like Terry O'Quinn in that movie, he's just like a normal guy, but then he's like a fucking psychopath, right? And that's kind of what Will Forte embodies for me. Um, (laughs) And and I swear to God, it's like when a normal guy goes nuts, it's like there's there's like only two things that it's like it's either the absolute funniest thing in the world or like the absolute scariest thing in the world and there's no in between like i agree the two poles you know what i mean i agree could not agree more well so he's a big part of it obviously and then the other component to it too is that so you have like you know, obviously, like the other SNL alums like Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph, who are they're fucking hilarious themselves. And yeah. Kristen Wiig is also a goer in the same way. Like she's just like that kind of fucking balls to the wall, d- doesn't care what she looks like or she doesn't care about being, you know, sort of put together a particular like she'll really go there. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. It's so fearless. But then also like. And I know that I know that there's some drama around this guy, but Ryan Phillippe, when I saw this movie in 2010, right, I had not seen him in a long fucking time. Like, I actually don't think I'd seen him since Cruel Intentions, maybe. Man, I I don't know. That's like 10 years. Yeah, it would have been a long time because honestly, what I remember about him the most was obviously that like, is it good or was I horny era? Right. Of his early career. And then I remember not seeing him in a lot of things. Right. And then this movie happened. And I was sort of like... (laughs) And visually, too, like, he kind of had this, like, you know, obviously in the 90s when he was doing all those, like, teen films, he was a young person. And he kind of had this 
I don't know what what to call it. I mean, he it was he was kind of like a James Spader type. He was sort of his own like yeah. little, little legendary freak. He was like a dick, but like hot. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like he plays that he played that character in Cruel Intentions, but also in like that movie Igby Goes Down. I saw oh, that yeah. movie fairly recently, and he was like that character in that movie too. He was just like a shit. You know how like yeah. James Spader in the '80s was just like a shit. Yeah, if he showed up, there was going to be some real passive aggress- aggression and uh, just some real shit remarks happening <laughs> for our main characters. Yeah, like you need like a shitty rich guy, like a shitty rich white guy, you know, who has a little freakiness to him. That was that's the character, I think, that Ryan Phillippe kind of reminded me of. And then when he shows back up in this movie, I was like, whoa, what? And like, he obviously looks different. He kind of aged. And I was kind of like, and then in the 90s, I was obviously like, not my thing. But when I saw him kind of reappear as this like soldier, you know, this like MacGruber's (laughs) like rookie soldier, like the reluctant partner. I was like, oh, damn, like Ryan Phillippe is looking pretty fucking good. And also like just this idea that he would be in a movie like this because he always seems so serious, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I think I don't know why, but I have such a bad feeling about Ryan Phillippe. And I don't yeah. literally don't know why. Like I was not of the age to follow the gossip or the trends or anything. So whenever I first see him in anything, I'm always kind of like, oh, oh, eh, maybe he's all right. Like I, I don't mind him at all, but I feel like there's like this little like poke in the back of my head that's like what did he do what did he do because i don't remember i don't know i don't know if i ever knew <laughs> like well, what he did to fall so far out of favor with people i know i mean honestly like i it just at this point it's like i'm always doing a simple google search before i talk about any person right <laughs> and and i i saw some alleged like shitty shit i mean i don't know a lot of, i don't know if it's actually you know fact if he was convicted of anything but i think it had something to do with like ex-girlfriends or ex-wives oh. or something like that yeah i don't i don't really know i don't want to speculate obvs but no he's, he's just one of those people that was like for a long time just always in us weekly when i was at the laundromat and i would be like yeah, yeah. i don't care about him but I, somehow like through osmosis and like just kind of imbibed some feeling about him that i can't explain but it usually goes away in like a split second but i always kind of feel like what is it about him that i don't know like he's very mysterious to me sure no i totally i totally understand that and again maybe that's like maybe his um his character type that is informing his (laughs) his real life personality or real life vibe or whatever but yeah i mean this is in 2010 obviously i wasn't i don't even know was i on the internet in 2010 i probably was but i wasn't it wasn't (laughs) like it was now let's get serious where i you know, really, really could figure out through the detective work, I guess you could say. Right. But I, at the time I was like, oh, shit, welcome back. What the yeah. fuck? You're kind of beefy and hot. I don't know if it's because you have like new dad weight or what, but like <laughs> I'm psyched. Um, so Will Forte and Ryan Philippe is why you've so far why you have to talk about McGruber. <laughs> well, I mean, but again, I think that it's sort of the OK. The movie itself, okay, is, this is what I'm going to call it. It's perfectly stupid, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. It's a broad, dumb, quote-unquote comedy that doesn't annoy me. You know what I mean? Like, it's this thing where I'm like, they're not pushing the joke super-duper fucking hard. They have enough 
you know, sort of sight gags and other like little mm-hmm. moments that keep my attention. And just the whole idea of this character of MacGruber and like his fucking vibe, which is this <laughs> stupid 80s guy um, that is obviously like this macho action movie adjacent type is I think it's brilliant. It cracks me the fuck up. And again, if you were maybe a different age than I was and you didn't grow up in this sort of action movie 80s culture, you'd probably be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And you'd probably be like, this is Trump. He's exactly like Trump. And I'm like, you're not wrong. But at the same time, in my mind, it's it's the nostalgia for that sort of 80s action movie shit, because honestly, like the, the entire movie starts. Well, let me let me say this. I'll give a brief synopsis of MacGruber and then we can get into a little bit of what I like about it so much. But like I'll attempt to do this just randomly. I have nothing prepared. Yeah. Um, <laughs> an ex military expert is basically brought from hiding for one last job to basically save the world. And he's partnered with a young military officer who is saving his ass constantly. (laughs) That's pretty much what MacGruber is. (laughs) And I I had never seen this. I'd seen the skit on SNL. But for some reason, I never watched the movie and I laughed so hard at so <laughs> many scenes. I could not believe this was my first time watching because I love Will Forte. Like, I could not believe that I somehow it just was not on my radar in 2010. I think I was in col- I was in college. I was in college in 2010. I might have just gone back. Yeah. So I think I was just kind of like in that mindset of like, I'm not going to movies. I'm not. Di- I'm just going to like buckle down and do some books. So I missed it. Yeah. This could have saved my ass in terms of the stress I had. And <laughs> when I went back to school, I laughed so hard at this movie. This makes me so fucking happy because. OK, so. When I saw it in 2010, I was with my friend Farzad, who, as I mentioned in the action movies episode, is like my action movie friend. So, you know, he's the guy that was basically like, you've never seen Commando. We got to fix that or whatever. Not Commando. What did he make me watch? Well, he made me watch a lot of shit. Yeah. But he's made me watch like a lot of action movies. And, you know, I got a lot of my exposure to them through him. So, of course, we fucking watched MacGruber together because he obviously also loves like comedy, Saturday Night Live, whatever. And when we watched it, we were literally like, I I think that the movie did not do well. Like, I think it was in theaters very briefly. It kind of tanked. But then like it also like. It was that kind of thing where like critics hated it. Like it got really bad reviews. It wasn't in theaters very long. And it was just kind of like, oh, God, I can't believe we have another dumb SNL movie. And it just got swept under the rug. And I remember we knew that going into it. And uh, Farzad and I watched this movie and literally we were both crying laughing (laughs) at so many parts of this movie. And then we like it ended and we were like, I swear to God, are we the only two people in the world who love this movie? Because honestly, like this is a masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) And a big part of it, too, for me, is that like that 80s action hero 
set is so ripe for making fun of. Oh, totally. And nobody ever does it well. If they yes. do it, they don't do it well. And this is done so well because it is so funny. And like you said, it kind of doesn't doesn't take itself too seriously to actually make fun of it in a proper way. You're absolutely right. I think whenever anybody, it seems to me anyway, whenever I've seen anybody attempt to do like a fucking send up of 80s action movies, the whole vibe is like, let's make fun of like Arnold and Stallone and like these big muscle guys. Right. And there's the humor. Whereas MacGruber is not that guy. MacGruber is this like, He's more of like a brainiac, like weaponsy, yeah. tactical guy, which for whatever reason is funnier to me. Like it's funny. It's less funny to me to see like some meathead with a machine gun, you know, with a fucking belt around his chest right. as a way of like parodying this era. Whereas like the MacGruber thing hit perfectly because it was like he was picking up on all of the nuances of like stupid 80s dude shit like. The sunglasses, the, sh- the, the soundtrack, sh- the soundtrack, which <laughs> of course is my fucking shit. I was like, okay, we have Eddie Money's "Take Me Home Tonight." <laughs> in in this moment, I mean, listen, I was going to talk about this later, but fuck it, mask off. Let's talk about it right now. There's the moment where MacGruber goes, you know, supposed to be undercover at this like fucking party at. <laughs> Cunt's house, who is the evil villain played by Val Kilmer, another fucking perfect touch, right? Completely. I want to talk about that so much. Oh, we're going to get to that. Trust me. I, you, like, I'm fully expecting a whole fucking download for me about that. But so he's coming to this party and he's like supposed to be undercover. And of course, he wears this like goddamn like flashy white suit and his mullets like all slick back. And he's walking through this party slow mo and it's playing fucking Eddie Money featuring Ronnie Spector doing Take Me Home Tonight. And there was a moment and he's supposed to look ridiculous. Right. Okay. Like he's supposed to look like a fucking weird molded idiot. But there was a moment I was like, dude, this is hot as shit. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> MacGruber can never get it from me, but in this moment, I was like, MacGruber can. Oh, yeah. His hair all slicked back, and it was, oh. that was really funny. Scene. And he like come, he like walks past the valet, and he like gives him the finger, and he's just like turning the corner, and his fucking mullet is like blown in the breeze, and it's just like the music gets really cranked up. It's totally awesome. And what I, I also love about the the music part too is that like it, they don't hit it too hard. Like they hit it hard the first time. When you realize he's listening to like soft rock, but then every other time it's just like he's put his he's pulling up in his car somewhere or and then he turns off the radio and you catch like a second of what he's listening to, which is so much funnier to me than like blasting it every time he rolls on screen. Right. Because th- there's modern music in the movie, which, you know, the, you have to at this point in Hollywood, you have to have like modern era hits. But then it's like it'll switch to like quarter flashes, harden my heart. And I was like, God right. damn, that is fucking killer. Like, or whatever. It was like a mix between like, like modern movie action shit mixed with like <sighs> the yacht rock ish <laughs> shit. But also, I have to ask you too. So the, they have this runner in the film where his fucking car stereo pops out. Yes. Did you have that when you were like, oh, I had I one. Had, I had the face that came off. Ah! 
Because you had to. If you were alive in the early 90s and you didn't want your car to get broken into, you had to pretend you didn't have a stereo in there. (laughs) I had, okay, I eventually graduated to the face. But for the first, like, fucking two or three years, I was rolling around in my 1984 Saab that was truly the crustiest car to ever live. I mean, like we bought it for like a thousand dollars or something like that. And it was like, (laughs) this is the car that you like cracked the axle. Oh, it cracked the axle. I mean, I ran over a boulder. That's how I cracked the axle and the headliner like was drooping down. So I used to have to keep a staple gun in my car to like staple it back into the, it was such a fucking great piece of shit car. It was, it meant everything in the world to me when I was like 16. Of course. That car had the fucking fully removable, like where you carried it around like a purse, just like that what is does. incredible. That shit was such a pain in the ass, man. Well, of course. And this is the other part that's hilarious about it. The stereo usually costs more than the car you're driving. Like nobody <laughs> wanted my 1986 Corolla hatchback. <laughs> but the stereo costs more than the 500 bucks I spent on the car. So of course I'm taking it with me. Dude, anytime McGruber has to pop out that thing and then carry it around with him <laughs> and people are just like, what the fuck, dude? I was laughing so hard because I'm like, yo, I have been there. I have rolled into my job at Dunkin' oh, Donuts with this full metal <laughs> brick <laughs> to put in my it's locker. Incredible. Oh, my God. It's oh, so God, great. It's incredible. I definitely picked out. And this is, again, might be unorthodox. I know there's a bunch we're going to get to. But while I was watching, I played a little game with myself. And the game was, what part of this movie made Millie laugh the hardest? (laughs) Oh, shit. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I've got a couple of options. Okay. (laughs) So first of all, in the opening scene, when the lyrics go to the guy's a fucking genius and he puts a little tiny American flag in the device that he's building. (laughs) I'm like, we're a minute in and Millie's already losing. <laughs> of course we are. Just like, like a this American flag. Exactly. When you realize that the lyrics of the song are like his stupid bullshit, like when you're like, oh, yeah, he's such a fucking genius. I mean, it's like <laughs> that little flag, the little touch. I love it. I also thought that the first time we realize the villain's name, Val Kilmer, is Dieter von Kunth. <laughs> I'm like, Millie cracked up. <laughs> truly truly i also thought that when they go to his grave and his tombstone just says mcgruber and then he opens it up and it's got like the casket just has a full pair of clothes clothes in it <laughs> like that's probably a scene where really lost and again this is all in the first 10 minutes and i'm like this is she lost it 20 times in the first 10 minutes oh definitely especially when in that scene when he has to put on wet underwear like they yes. they show him like putting his old <laughs> putting the old gear back on and then he has to pull up a wet a soaking wet pair of tidy whities <laughs> so funny I cracked up. I also thought the first time when he is talking to Ryan Philippe and he goes, I got a better idea. No fucking way. (laughs) Listen, anytime MacGruber went aggro on Ryan Philippe, like anytime he was like, you want to go? He's like, you know, and he's like, you know, he basically (laughs) says you're a rookie who thinks his shit don't stink. But I got news for you. Your shit does stink. Like all that stupid shit. Things like, like shit. 
<laughs> smells like shit. Like I truly love that stupid shit. And the other thing, which which I think it definitely made me crack the fuck up to the point where I had to stop the movie. <laughs> when he's gathering up his crew of like wrestlers who are acting basically they're all these guys who are the size of actual monsters (laughs) and he rolls up on that one guy and just puts a grenade into the hoagie (laughs) (laughs) fuck yeah i I lost it because that to me every fucking action movie has the like i'm gathering my crew sequence where it's like we gotta go track down this guy from this remote this and that we gotta go get this guy he's working in a fucking you know car parts (laughs) place in the middle of nowhere and then it's like it's it zooms in the mcgruber he's giving the oh yeah you know what time it is the old gang's getting back together (laughs) that stupid shit cracks me up he puts the grenade like basically one of his ex-compatriots or whatever is now an unhoused guy and he's on the street with a fucking dixie cup and then all of a sudden some guy's putting a grenade in it and then he looks up and it's mcgruber and mcgruber's like oh yeah i don't know why it made me so dumb i love it so much um you're right about all those parts, by the way. <laughs> and more. And more. And so many more. The celery stalk, the first time, again, this is my first time watching it. It is the kind of dumb humor that will level me. Like the first time, I, I just, I cried laughing at like at least four different parts of this movie. Oh my God. The two parts I remember, and Farzad and I talk about this shit to this day. Like I can just text him. <laughs> it's the part where. He goes to Vicky St. Elmo. I think that's her name. <laughs> yeah. Right? St. Elmo's Fire. I have to imagine that's why they named her that. <laughs> he first approaches Vicky St. Elmo because I like I'll give you a little bit of backstory to McGruber. So McGruber was married to a woman named Casey, who was played by Maya Rudolph. At their wedding, she is blown up. <laughs> by Dieter von Kahn. By Dieter von Kahn. <laughs> One of the best parts of the movie is when he's McGrooper is telling this story to the Ryan Phillippe character and Ryan Phillippe is like, what's Dieter want with you? Like, why is he so obsessed with you? And McGrooper's like, I don't know. I think it's because we went to college together and he was my best. He was the best man at my wedding. And then he's like, as he turns out, him and Kunth are like best friends at one point. And Casey was married to to Kunth. Basically. And then McGruber oh stole her and it's like he blew her up at their wedding. <laughs> but Vicky St. Elmo was Casey's best friend and she watched her friend get blown up. She was in the first row. Um, so, you know, she was a part of the McGruber team back in the day. And so he comes back and is like, you know, the old gang is getting back together. And she's like, I don't think so. I've my music is what I, is most important to me now. And she's like, I'm through with that life. Right. And he's like, well, if you ever change your mind and he slips her this fucking note. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm out of here. He leaves. And then she opens up this piece of paper and it looks like a third grader has written. I'm at the Pentagon. <laughs> and the and Pentagon is spelled wrong. And I laugh so supremely hard i thought i was gonna black out when i first saw that <laughs> that that part um farzad and i will text to each other all the time like i'm at the pentagon and the pentagon is spelled with like an extra o and then the other part that cracks me up is when it's actually val kilmer's line 
when at the party where mcgruber was basically like walking through the fucking party with to the eddie money song he goes it's at cunt's house right and he goes to his house and apparently like leaves an upper decker in his toilet and then like later later on in the film when they meet for the final showdown Val kilmer is like no bullshit on his face he's basically just like i appreciate the upper decker that you left me in my house and i cracked up because i completely had forgotten about the upper decker and i was like oh shit and val kilmer just saying the words upper decker (gasps) kills me i just think that's so fucking funny but there's so many parts of this movie that crack me up, but honestly, like the best part really is that the the setup of it, because the the beginning of the movie it almost does it's like almost Rambo three, which we talked about in the action movies episode. It was one of my picks where yep. MacGruber is a fucking monk in some like remote <laughs> region. And he's got this like insane ponytail, much like, you know, I talked about um Rambo three and Stallone's hair. It's like the same shit where he has this entire sequence. Um, and like his old commanding officer who is played by powers booth, which I think is insane. Another great casting move. Oh my God. <laughs> such great casting. He, him and Ryan Phillippe show up in like wherever they are. I couldn't tell. It looked like Peru, like South America or something like that. And he's basically like one last job. And McGruber is like, you know, these are my people. <laughs> like I'm I'm living a different kind of life. And the kids in the town just like steal something off him and like they give him the finger. His necklace, like his cross. <laughs> they just like steal it off of his neck and they're like, fuck you, McGruber. <laughs> he's like, ooh, ooh, I better get that back. I mean, it's just like so dumb oh, because God. it's like the the stoniness of that character in every legit action movie is like i'm a man of you know i'm a man of peace i you know i'm in i'm a monk and like the fucking the old guys come back and they're like come on one last job and he's like okay fine you know it's like they'll say the one the bad guy's back and then the the monk is like all right i'm putting the old outfit back on exactly but it's my my fucking bullet belt (laughs) it's just like the whole the whole like tactical vest with like all the bullshit in it like the f- dental floss and the fucking like <laughs> it's like what the hell he's wearing this like john popper from blues traveler type of <laughs> vest and he's got all of his like stupid gear none of it is actual weapons it's just like oh, household items which cracks me the fuck up but that's also what I love about this character is because he's just like he's he's so he emphatically does not use guns like his whole thing is like i don't need weapons i can make weapons right and yet the funny thing is is that when he's in that moment where the two his two like his old ceo or whoever and ryan philippier try to convince him to come out of hiding because he's faked his own death by the way which is a funny thing that i forget that he's supposed to have been dead but then he's like that's why he buries his clothes in his old grave but (laughs) Ryan Phillippe's character is like, here's all the accomplishments. He's like, he's like a fucking Green Beret and a Navy SEAL. (laughs) Like, he's got, like, every hard as fuck job in the military. You know, he's won, like, all these Purple Hearts. And then the way he's rattling off these accomplishments, like, MacGruber is, like, looking off into the distance. And it's like, the lighting is, like, so perfect. It's like this fucking, like magic hour lighting and he's like yeah i did all that it was so great but it's like the funny thing is is that he says that at the beginning and then you realize he does not know how to use a gun 
Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't know how to use any weapons at all. <laughs> so how is I don't understand how he's a green beret without being able to use a gun, but whatever. That's the whole vibe of the character, right? But when you find out that he doesn't know how to use a gun, there's this entire sequence where Ryan Phillippe is like, we are in a bind. You have to take these two guns and you have to start shooting people because we are going to be dead if we don't do it. This shit, I was screaming when this was happening. Like, essentially, it's the kind of thing where they have to, like, move positions. So they get up from hiding and then just start shooting rounds until they can, like, get through the door. And fucking MacGruber is, like, shooting off these two automatic guns. And he's, like, his arms are flailing everywhere. Oh, he looks like like, one of those things in front of the car dealership. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) and that is, again, its own hilarious spoof. Because in most action movies, if guys are like, I don't know what I'm doing. The minute they touch a weapon, they're an expert at it. And they're, like, you know, killing 85 people. Yes, exactly. But MacGruber is like, I don't know how to use this gun. And so when he gets two guns, he's just like going, he's got like jelly arms and he's like shooting indiscriminately like everywhere and is of no help to Ryan Philpy whatsoever. And that's like the running joke is that MacGruber is stupid and Ryan Philpy has to constantly like get him out of harm's way like he's shooting people dead he's like we have to kill these people in order to survive and mcgruber's just like what can't we just like say a bunch of mean shit to them in a menacing tone of voice and they're like no and that was i think another funny part too about the movie for me was just this idea of like an 80s the concept of an 80s action film and especially i think television because obviously in movies you can get way more violent but on tv 80s action TV was super fucking tame. You couldn't show yeah. anything. I mean, there's there was not anything like what they show now. And so it was like you had to make that mental leap that somehow the bad guys were always being defeated, but there was no like stakes, right? As I right. said before. And so the best part of this movie really is this idea of Ryan Phillippe's character constantly pressing him on this reasoning of being like, you know, you can't just tell people where you're at, right? Doesn't like You can't just like get on a loudspeaker and be like, meet me in the control room. I'm going to cut your dick off. And Ryan Phillippe's like, don't tell them where you are. We have to get right. out of here. You know, it's like, that was... The, Ryan Phillippe's character was the fucking logical metronome yes. and it was perfect because it was like it wasn't like too shitty it, he Ryan Phillippe was perfect for this movie because he was like a legit he felt like a legit actor who was he wasn't he was making fun of MacGruber but it wasn't in this way that's like a comical thing he was like straight up telling him the the deal of like yeah. basic survival and it was so fucking funny to me like i it was perfect it was a perfect pairing you know what i mean i agree because what i what i really like about ryan Phillippe being cast in this movie is that he strikes me as the kind of actor who would do one of those movies seriously like he would do this action movie guy thing for real and i want to say like right before this film he was in some kind of like military adjacent stop loss yeah he was in stop loss which is a war drama and then he was in um flags of our fathers is that what what it says i never saw that which is another kind of military-esque 
film. I think yeah. it's a story. I think it's a Clint Eastwood thing, actually. Yeah. It's oh, it is military. It's the Battle of Iwo Jima. Of course it is. Um, there you go. But yeah, he does these movies seriously. Yes. <laughs> so he's got chops military guy chops and then he's in this role in this film and he's basically like just the perfect sort of way to like make us as viewers laugh at mcgruber like it's just like the right. best thing about the movie is just their interactions together i love this i really really like this movie so much more than i would ever have thought and i don't know why i didn't see it originally but it is so it's just it's also it's that kind of humor where if you truly just want to laugh like it is such it's a relief movie for me. Like it seems like the kind of movie that you don't have to work for the laugh. You can just sit down, be in a bad mood, watch this movie and then you're like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> or like, oh, I laughed for a bunch of hours or whatever. <laughs> like I oh just laughed for an hour and a half straight. Also has to be said, we have to talk about Kristen Wiig in this movie. Oh, yeah, we do course two things we got to talk about Kristen wig and the fact that will forte loves showing his butt <laughs> yeah just so much of his butt all <laughs> over the place in this and like unnecessarily to drive a joke home like they used his butt the way that they used let the river run in working girl <laughs> You got the acoustic version of the butt. You got the the choir version of the butt. Oh, my God. The, that scene of him and Kristen Wiig, the sex scene that is supposed to have been like very Top Gun-ish. And they're playing oh my God. Broken Wings by Mr. <laughs> Mr., which is such a disgusting sex song. I just like don't <laughs> even want to think about it. It's not even a disgusting song. It's just the, the 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 feeling it evokes when I hear it, and just now knowing that it's like it's the scene where MacGruber and Vicky Saint Elmo are like having sex for the first time is so gross and disgusting to me. Like that song was oh rendered God. terrifying because of that. Um, but there's this. There's also this running joke <laughs> about MacGruber being like the best lay anyone's ever had oh and my the God. beginning of the scenes always are starting out with the mr mr song and then there's like flowy fucking white drapes just like in top gun and then it cuts to this <laughs> <laughs> this like mcgruber grunting so disturbing. So disturbing. I, like you're looking at me. I can't even look at you when I say it because I'm just so <laughs> horrified. Then they, then they double down on it like 10 minutes later. The best part. Oh my fucking god. So so Vic, so basically Vicky has always been in love with MacGruber. MacGruber was married to her best friend who blew up in front of her face. And he made a solemn oath to never sleep with another woman ever again. Um but things change and all of a sudden like they're together and then you know he's feeling massive guilt. So he like goes to Casey's grave and is like, I'm here to atone for my sins, you know, and then her ghost comes out <laughs> of the grave. 
And Again, it's Maya Rudolph. Rudolph. <laughs> and the ghost is like, it's fine. You're like, you need to move on. Like, I couldn't have asked for a better woman, you know, but you're, you're a good man. And then MacGruber and the ghost of his dead ex-wife start having sex in the cemetery. Oh my God. And it starts the same way. It starts with the Mr. Mr. song. And then it pulls out <laughs> and it's like MacGruber grunting to no one. So basically <laughs> he's imagining it. And like, there's a fucking undertaker, whoever like in the back, who's like watching MacGruber pumping into <laughs> the, the night air. <laughs> With just this disgusting grunt noise. <laughs> they fucking doubled down on it, and it's so disturbing. And it was in that <sighs> moment where I was like, Will Forte is a legendary freak. <laughs> this like, is where the legendary freak comes in, for sure. Oh my god, it's like, who would go there for us, for our entertainment? Oh my god. It's like Jason Statham and Crank 2. It's the same concept. <laughs> It's like, thank you for for doing this for us, for America. Oh, my God. It cracks me up. <sighs> yeah, he. Yeah, that. I'm so glad we got to talk about that because I'm like, all right, we got to talk about his butt being everywhere. Got to talk about that cemetery sex scene. But Kristen <laughs> Wiig is so funny in this movie because she is put in the most absurd <laughs> positions possible and the most absurd costumes. He's <laughs> constantly dressing her up as other <laughs> things. And the funniest one, like he does, he dresses her up as himself at one point. Very funny scene. But then he makes her dress up as this guy that they've just killed. Who's like this kind of tough and she has this like goatee on and this oversized leather jacket and leather pants. And she's like, why do I have to be this guy? <laughs> like yeah. She's like, no idea what she's doing in this in this whole setup. And but she loves him and she wants to be part of the team. And she's actually like really good at fighting. But you never get to know that until the end, because he just keeps putting her in these absurd positions for no reason. Well, yeah, and that's, I think, the thing about MacGruber is, like, that's his, part of his stupidity is that he, like, is always trying to, like, dispossess, I guess, people of their actual talents, of their actual right. things that they know how to do because he thinks he's so great at everything. And it's like, you know, we later find out that Vicky is, like, a fucking martial arts expert or yeah. some shit, but yet he's always just, like... You're going to dress up like me. And it's the logic of it is so twisted that Ryan Phillippe's character is always like, why is she dressed up like you? And then at that part where she's dressed up like the thug, then Ryan Phillippe is dressed up like him. And he's like, why am I dressed like you? And it's like so I mean, it just plays up the humor of just the scenario, but also like that old sort of corny concept of, you know, all kinds of action movies where where disguises were like big and they would like right. try to fool people. It's like so corny and funny, but I think that was like the, one of the funniest parts is Kristen Wiig showing up in that giant leather jacket. And she's oh just like, my God, it looks so hilarious. And it's also the, again, like a great way to spoof that weird eighties patriarchal bullshit thing where it's like, all of the women were always relegated to side characters, even though they were better at their job and more interesting than the main character. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, 
honestly, like this whole, this entire movie is like kind of, I mean, if you want, I love it because it's just simply the, the most perfectly stupid movie ever. It makes me laugh so fucking hard. But also if you want to think about it in a very like, you know, if you want to give a little bit of a historical context or sort of like, you know, any kind of like sociological context, it is totally a send up of that like 80s masculinity of that like tough guy that is actually an idiot. And, you know, and everybody around him is is who makes him really shine. And he's just like in his own mind, like the coolest, the most raddest, you know, the most capable person. And everyone's like, you're actually a dumbass. Right. (laughs) Like, and we know what that's like now after the past four or five years we know but and look it's it's a bonus episode so i'm gonna say we got to talk about the ending (laughs) just because it's a bonus because again the over the topness of it made me laugh so hard (laughs) but val kilmer supposedly dead in this explosion where you know he had stolen this missile mcgruber saves the day val kilmer's dead MacGruber is getting married to Vicky, and guess who shows up at the wedding? <laughs> it's Dieter von Kunth, half-burned face, again, just like that 80s trope of, like, yes. I'm back, you yeah. didn't kill me, shows up, tries to, again, blow up his fucking wedding, and <laughs> MacGruber, MacGruber ends up pushing him out of a window into, like, a, like they're, they're on top of, like, a canyon, so you see... Dieter von Kunth like falling backwards. Then MacGruber grabs a machine gun, shoots him to death like 89 <laughs> times. And then he's like lights on fire from the bullets <laughs> and hits the ground like a charred mess. It is so over the top. And it was just it, I don't know why it made me laugh. It's so hyper violent, but it's so funny to me because, again, that kind of hyper violence is what these 80s movies thrived on like oh i didn't kill you enough the first time let me try it again (laughs) yeah it's like i'm going to push you off of a cliff shoot you to completion set you on fire and then piss on you because that's what he does at the at the very end is he pisses on his charred corpse Right. And then because it begs the question, like they were literally having a ceremony on the side of a fucking mountain like this whole like he falls like probably hundreds of feet, you know, and I'm just like it just it just layered itself. The ridiculousness and the hyper violence like layered itself in like the most perfect way. It was completely so fucking funny to me. And then those end credits, I can't with the end credits. Oh my God. It's just, it's such a joy. Like this entire movie is a joy. Honestly, I'm so glad that, because I'll tell you right now, like they were going to do a 10 year anniversary screening of it in LA. I bought tickets for Farsad and I, it was supposed to be at the Arclight and it was literally like maybe two weeks after LA got locked down from the pandemic. And I had been looking forward to this shit for, since it was announced, I like got up early to buy tickets on the day. I mean, I was like, and it was going to be like Will Forte, Ryan Phillippe, like all these people were going to be there in person at the Arclight. And you know, it was like this, it was going to be the celebration of this like fucking hilarious SNL movie that I love. And then COVID happened. And I cannot tell you, 
the feeling of having to refund Farzad on Venmo for this oh. fucking screening that got canceled. And I was like, oh, God, no. this is terrible. And did they ever make him a group or two? You know, I thought they would. But uh, then I had read somewhere that they were going to try to make a. They were going to do like a series on Peacock. Isn't that oh, the NBC yeah. streaming? Like I heard that they were going to do like an actual TV show of it. Which I was like, yo, sign me the fuck up for that. I'd watch the shit out of that. But, oh, my God. I'm glad that it's a cult classic. I'm glad that 10 years later, it still has enough steam that people would buy tickets to go see this live viewing. Oh, my God. Because that's how movies become cult classics is people keep them going. I mean, I was really counting on you liking it because I was like, there's no way she wouldn't like it because it is a- adjacent to so many things that we love yes. about 80s action movies, which is like they're so stupid. And, yes. you know, like you mentioned, you're not a violent person. None of us like guns. But watching something so extreme is funny. It's like a comical release. Right. And so when I when I, I was like, oh, I'm going to pick this movie and I think she's going to be totally on board with it. I didn't really have Completely. a doubt. Completely. Because that absurdity is the release. It's like it is making fun of the culture of guns and violence and everything else. And that is part of the release. But also, I just love seeing some dope put a celery stalk in his butt and waddle around. <laughs> I have a very juvenile sense of humor, and that stuff will always make me laugh. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to love a balls joke. going to love a fucking upper decker joke. going to love a lo- like a seller in the ass. Like, all that stuff is so fucking funny to me, too. And like, you know what? No, we never claim to be deep when it comes down to it. If, if people come <laughs> to this podcast and be like, I thought they were going to be deeper than this. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> sorry, not Sorry. <laughs> We will talk about the feminine mystique, but we were going to also talk about shoving some celery in your ass crack. Okay. It's the very definition of containing multitudes. Yes, exactly. The feminine mystique and then MacGruber. (laughs) Um, I guess that's it. I mean, thank you, Daniel. Well, for once again, like indulging me, Um, I, I feel like I don't have to ever really indulge you. I feel like you're really game. For, I'm always game. Yeah, I love that about you. That's like one of my favorite things about you is I feel like I, I can be myself. Yes. With you, you know? Yes. I'm the other way. Like if you recommend, you're like, look, I want to talk about, I really need to talk about this Merchant Ivory movie. I'll be like, what happened to you? Did you hit your head? <laughs> I mean, well, when the Prince of so Tides. <laughs> I thought it might raise an eyebrow. No, even Prince of Tides. Like I knew it was all about that lake out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listen, when it comes down to it, like the, the the feelings that really get stirred in me is when something is like ridiculous, like I can deal with shocking like, you know, it's like whatever you watch something like natural born killers or anything that we've watched that's really shocking. And I'd be like, OK, but when something is fucking ridiculous, it really yeah. like gets me to a place. And so with both these movies, it's the ridiculousness. I and mean, one is like an absolute in your face ridiculousness. The other is sort of like an accidental ridiculousness, but it's the same concept. It's like over the top oh shit makes me laugh, gives me good feelings. And that's just where it goes. Right. I am here for it. anything that gives you good feelings. No harm to anyone else. You're yes. loving a cult movie and it's a cult classic movie and yes. it's great. Yes. Love McGrew as a cult movie. Fuck all these critics for hating it. It's a goddamn masterpiece. Um, and thank you for listening to this 
stream of consciousness riff that we've just had. <laughs> and also, too, if you have any feedback or if you want to like if you want to talk about McGruber with me, our email address is um, I saw what he did pod at Gmail. And you can also follow us on social media. I saw pod on Twitter and Instagram. And since you're already hopefully subscribed because you're listening to this episode, keep the Stitcher Premiums going. Keep listening to Stitcher Premium. We'll keep putting out bonus episodes. Well, no, Danielle and I secretly love the Stitcher Premium episodes because it just we feel way more relaxed and it's just sort of like no one's really prepared anything. We're just kind of talking and that feels good once in a while. So we're glad that you're here with us. Thank you so much. And um, I guess we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at isawpod. Email us at isawwhatyoudidpod at gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. 